this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. Hey everyone, Kyle Sconowell here. I hope you're all doing well. Today I wanted to give you a quick little update on a couple of changes here on today's episode and next week's episode, and an update on Robbie. So if you're on the Slack channel, you've probably noticed that Robbie has been a little bit absent the last month or so, and I'll give the ending first here, Michael Scott style. He's okay. As Stanley Hudson would say, why would you phrase it like that? Robbie's okay. <laughs> I'm not trying to imply anything else. Um, so he has been traveling a ton over the holidays. He went skiing. He visited family, multiple locations, and then had a commitment to go to London for work. So he was just in London for the last couple of weeks as well. Um, he was getting really tired and exhausted. And on his way back from London, he noticed that his arm started hurting. And again, he's going to be okay. But um, he got back to Austin and his arm was hurting so much, he went to the emergency room. And in the emergency room, they found that he had a blood clot in his arm. Um, they don't know what caused it yet. He's still going to see a hematologist about it. But they had to keep him in the hospital this last week for a while. And... Um, he had the option, I guess, to my understanding of removing it via surgery or taking some blood thinners. They immediately put him on some blood thinners to get his arm working again. Uh, the doctor said they're very thankful that it didn't get to his chest and his lung because I guess that can be very dangerous. Um, so they did stop it as of now at his arm. Um, kind of scary, though, to be honest, a little bit for uh, him, for me, Candace, his family, et cetera. Um, but, uh, they got, they got it slowed down. He was discharged from the hospital a few days ago and he is at home, which is good. He doesn't have a ton of energy because, um, the meds and the way his arm still has so much pressure, uh, is hurting. So he's, he's not bedridden, but he is, uh, laying down a lot. And so I say that all to say, there are going to be a few tweaks on our end for the next couple of weeks while Robbie is on the mend. Thankfully, I think, and he thinks they've gotten to the bottom of this. Like I said, he's going to see a specialist and figure out what it is. Um, and meanwhile, it's probably a really good forced break for him to just have to slow down a little bit. So a couple of things I wanted to say here at the top. Um, we're just going to flip next week's episode and today's episode while Robbie's on the mend. So instead of announcing the friendly winners today, that will be next week. So you still have time to get some more votes in and check out the ballot on our website. And so instead today, we're going to start our ramp up towards Ant-Man Quantumania. We would have been doing this episode next week, but we have a really fun special interview planned uh, with Al Ewing. He's an incredible high-end comics creator, and he's been working on Ant-Man and the Wasp. And so we thought it'd be appropriate as we ramp up for Ant-Man. More on that in a second. Um, but I just wanted to say, if, if you could, just for a second, you know, keep Robbie in your thoughts and prayers. Um, 
I don't think it's anything more serious than just the blood clot. We're hoping it's not. Um, but it is a little bit scary, to be honest. Um, hopefully it's nothing more than that. And then I just want to take a quick second to say something to you guys out there. Um, for whatever reason in this season, a lot of people my age, a lot of my friends are just going through a lot of stuff. And it's been a tough season for a lot of people. And uh, that may be you out there. I don't know if it's our generation or it's the time of year or if it's just the the current phase of our culture. Whatever it is, a lot of my friends are struggling right now. And so I just wanted to encourage everyone to take care of yourselves. I mean that sincerely. Whatever that looks like for you. And, and uh, maybe it's a job. Maybe it's family stuff. Maybe it's sickness, something causing you stress. I just encourage you to do whatever you can to take care of yourself. Um, we all need rest. We're not machines. And, um, yeah, take care of yourself. So back on the podcast front, we've been trying to increase our coverage as we lead up to these films. So one of the things we're adding is, is chatting with some of these comics creators like Al Ewing today. We also have a twist that Robbie and I are both really excited about on our typical saga so far episode. So that will be really fun too. And so with the scheduling change, here's kind of what we're thinking leading up all the way to Ant-Man. Um, today, January 19, Al Ewing interview. You can hear a little bit of the comics behind the scenes before you watch the movie. Next week, January 26, we will be announcing the winners to the friendlies. So we're just flipping those two weeks. And then February 2nd, we have a Saga So Far episode leading up to Ant-Man. Like I said, it's totally different and really fun, really special. And then February 9, we hopefully will have seen Ant-Man by then. So that will be our spoiler-free preview with February 16 and 17 then being our initial reactions to Ant-Man. And then hopefully in the weeks to follow, we'll do a reflection and hopefully talk to some of the creators and or actors from Ant-Man Quantumania. So again, hope you guys really enjoyed today's episode. Keep robbing your thoughts and prayers. He'll be back next week talking about the Friendly Award winners. I hope you enjoy this conversation from Al Ewing. I now will return you to your regularly scheduled programming here on Friends From Work. Enjoy. All right, welcome back to another episode of Friends From Work, a podcast about all things in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it's hosted by me, Kyle Sconowell, and my longtime friend, Robbie Earl. But today is extra special because you're going to get a taste of not just Kyle, not just Robbie, but Candace Parker Earl here on the main feed coming <laughs> over from the Friends From Work plus Comics Corner. Candace, welcome to Friends From Work. Coming out of my cage, and I've been doing just fine. <laughs> just fine. <laughs> <laughs> my, I've been doing killer's reference. I got that one. Wow. Let's go. <laughs> All right. On today's episode of Friends from Work, we are joined by legendary comics creator Al Ewing. Al has been creating comics forever, with some of his most notable works including X-Men Red, Ant-Man, Guardians of the Galaxy, and The Immortal Hulk. Al, it's our absolute honor and pleasure to have you on Friends from Work. And so everyone, please give a warm welcome to Al Ewing to Friends from Work. Yay! Let's go, Al. <laughs> Thank you very much for having me. Um, Al, so where are you geographically? Uh, I'm in I'm in the UK. I'm in the north of England. Uh, I'm near to um, I'm in I'm in Yorkshire. Okay. So. And is that home for you? Uh, no, originally 
originally I was from uh, further down south. I was uh, I'm, I'm from south of London originally, but um, I moved here about twenty years ago, okay. give or take, mm. um, a little over twenty years ago. And yeah, it's been it's been home ever since. So, and would you say that's where yeah. you do your best writing at home? Uh, it's it it's where I do my only writing. I don't really. <laughs> um, I always have trouble getting stuff done when I'm traveling. Mm-hmm. So uh, when I'm, you know, I always always kind of bring. I've got a bad habit of bringing work with me to uh, conventions and things like that. Mm-hmm. It's more just like um, it's peace. It's quiet. I don't, you know, I don't have any kids i don't have that many distractions it's um Mm -hmm. i don't have to sort of go to you know a shed in the back garden or you know an office or (laughs) something like that to to get stuff done i've always i've always been happier uh just you know working from like uh a chair in a room totally um so the comics corner is the portion of the friends from work podcast that Robbie and I host together. Robbie is a longtime comics reader and I am kind of coming up on my 1 year anniversary of reading comics for the first time. Um <laughs> oh, Thanks guys. But with Al's Loki comic being one of the first that you that you right. read. Right. So the the way we've done this is we bring in comics that kind of support the the viewings of upcoming shows or movies. So naturally, we have landed on your issues of Ant-Man coming up for the right. February yes. flick. Yeah, that is I I think that's um that's what Quantumania, so Ant-Man and the Wasp. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh both of which I'm well, uh, what's more than Ant-Man right now? I've, I've sort of finished up with Ant-Man for the time being. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen some of your process pieces on, uh, on the, the Wasp issues. You know, we've, we've, the, the Ant-Man miniseries has now been published, um, but I've seen you kind of going back through and finding all the best costumes uh, from the, the whole history of, oh. of the Wasp. And um, yeah. that's been, yeah, no, I, it's been fun to follow. It's yeah. I mean, I've been. Um, I started a, a newsletter uh, on Ghost uh, recently mm. because you know social media is going through a period of upheaval. Mm-hmm. Let's say, uh, and I kind of wanted to be somewhere in case you know some man child or other should crash the whole thing into a mountain. <laughs> I'm still at the stage where I've I've sort of haven't quite integrated it into. Um, it's a thing. So it is It is still at the moment a kind of weekly whatever's on my mind on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, and yeah, I'd been, I'd been kind of, I'd spent a large portion of that day uh, kind of going through the history of the Wasps' various costumes. So I had that on my mind. So I thought, <laughs> oh, well, I'll, you know, it's a good time to pick my favorite. Uh, it's after that, I kind of, Alana... Uh, Alana Smith, who's editing it, kind of turned up this insane website that somebody's, and you know, it's one of those. I think it's one of those old GeoCities things. It's sort of, it's good up till the mid two thousands, but it's like <laughs> this kind of absolute catalogue of every, literally every single costume, every oh, single wow. tiny costume variation that the Wasp has ever had. So you know, it's like. 
I'm kind of I'm glad I did the work so I mm-hmm. could like actually pick out a bunch of costumes and not just you know land this. But right. yeah, seriously, that was <laughs> I did spend like you know a a good half hour or so just going through all of those, just like <laughs> trying to find you know. And the web address is geocities.com slash costume backslash geocities.com. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's that kind of thing. It's like, it's it's old school web design. It's yeah. kind of. Uh, uh-huh. I'm obsessed with that. Yeah. I, I love a deep dive. Fans of your work know that you are really careful with continuity, uh, both across like your own works and also trying to respect what's going on in the Marvel universe or just what's gone on before with a particular character. And, uh, you know, that, that kind of dedication of, of walking through all these, all these past costumes of, of the wasp. I, I feel like you also get that in, in going through, uh, the four issues of, of the Ant-Man series you did with, with Tom Riley. And that's one of the things we're really excited to talk to you about is, you know, what it was like going back through the whole history of a 60-year-old character like Ant-Man that now has not only had so many incarnations in the comics and in video games, but also in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, uh, even they're getting uh, two different variations with a Hank Pym and and Scott Lang. So I I would love to hear kind of what you've, what has been like uh, sifting through all these years of of Ant-Man. What you found? I'm I'm a big fan of what they're doing with... Michael Douglas, um, in that I kind of think part of the part of the Marvel universe is is sort of the history of it. Even even back in the sixties, you know, you had Namor turning turning up, you had Captain America turning up. These were like characters of the past. Um, mm-hmm. So it's good that they found a way to kind of retroactively have that element as as part of the cinematic universe. Um, in terms of, you know, how the, what it was like going through, you know, the history of Ant-Man, um, I, I had a lot of experience cause way back again, this is a two thousands thing, but they used to print, this is before we could get it all on digital, but they used to print. And I think you can still get they're they're sort of better quality now, but you can still get these, these sort of essential collections. I think they're epic collections now, but the mm-hmm. big phone books oh, yeah. of like, you know, 500 pages of comics at a time. I had those. And like back in the, back in the day, they were like these black and white, you know, reprints, mm-hmm. um, which was good for kind of getting, you know, getting a look at the art and, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, some of the, some of the sort of color reproduction on, on these archival works, it's, you know, there's, there's debate about how faithful it can be, but like, um, the, those, I had one of those for Ant-Man and it was like the first, you know, 500 pages of Ant-Man stories. And so you got to see, you know, the evolution of the character, this kind of what seemed as a reader, like a kind of, and you know, obviously this was all in the sixties. I wasn't in the room, but like, it, it seems like a kind of editorial desire to like give him something to try and mm-hmm. punch him up a little bit. So like, mm. you know, he starts off, he's almost this kind of Batman type character when he starts off this sort of camp, you know, slightly camp <laughs> kind of like a kind of Cape Crusader thing. You know, it's full of like chief O'Reilly going, 
oh, if only Ant-Man could help us now. And like, there's an ant, you know, listening, and which is great. I love that. Um, and like when they give him, when, when they sort of introduce the wasp, when they give him a partner, it kind of, it really crackles in, in like the first couple of stories, there's a sort of, there's a really weird thing in the first story where like every second thought balloon out of Hank Pym is like, Oh, she's very young. She's extremely young. It's like, (laughs) stop saying that. It's not going to age well, Hank. But like, you know, once they get into a thing of like, yeah, we're just going to stop mentioning that. And these people are like roughly the same age, uh, except one is kind of like, you know, a, a, a stiff scientist who sort of never leaves his lab. And the other is kind of, uh, a, a socialite, a sort of party person, and you know, and together they fight crime. And it's like there's a few stories where you know Jan drags Hank to a jazz club or something, and it's and that's the start of a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or like um, you can really see it's sort of them crackle off each other, and and that's probably my favorite period. So that was a big part of um, I think it was Darren. Uh, the editor of the Ant Man series, Darren Shen, mm-hmm. who who originally, I think I think the kind of oh we'd like to do something with like different time periods because there's been so many Ant Man that that kind of came from him and I sort of hmm. took that ball and kind of ran with it in terms of like I'd really like to sort of do rather than just set stories there try and grab the feel of those periods and hmm. thank goodness I had Tom Riley and Jordy Belair in my corner hmm. on that because they just jumped in with both feet mm-hmm. and like really experimenting, not just going back to like, Oh, let's do Zippito. Like Jordy was, you know, Tom, you know, God bless him. Just like subsumed himself into like Don Heck for an issue. Mm-hmm. And kind of, you can still see it's Tom, but at the same time you can see all this Don Heck in the mix. Yeah. And like, you know, Jordy, instead of just going back to Zippito for that, she just thought, okay, how, you know, what about the paper quality? What about the process? You know, how can I kind of... Um, I may I noticed that when I was reading. Yeah. So it feels a little more collaborative. I was going to ask, do you almost feel like a film director as the writer of the series? Kind of, you know... I mean, it's... That, I, I, I guess I don't really... I'm not so good at kind of... Um, those those sort of metaphors I don't because I don't know a hundred percent how a you know how a director does his job what a producer <laughs> does what a kind of you know I know that like the writer's job on a film set is to go away and never return but like um, <laughs> that was very much you know we were we were sort of chatting a lot like I mean I say that but mostly my my part of that was just like this all looks amazing mm-hmm. keep doing it yeah. <laughs> Um, keep going but like everybody kind of went in like understanding the brief and wanting to do their best by the brief and i think that that made for like a really i i'm i'm really proud of that series just as a sort of Mm -hmm. object in total Mm -hmm. yeah i was really impressed uh especially with with the ways, I mean, I, I finished that first issue that felt so much like you were transported to that kind of '60s era, um, and then I was so curious to see how each would would follow and where you would set them. And as I've kind of read and reread these, I've really loved the the second issue and the way that you 
sort of worked in the secret invasion things that had been going on with Hank Pym since that was such a big part of that era. And then the way that you even brought back the, the ant um, from the, the Kirkman days, it, it, it did feel very immersive. And, and I'm, you know, I don't know if that was you or, or, or Tom or Darren or a collaboration of, of all, but. Well, I think, I think Darren did su- suggest like, I think Darren did send an email mm-hmm. going like, oh, if you're going to do a Kirkman thing, we should remember he had those ant recaps. We should mm-hmm. do one of those. And mm-hmm. I was like, yes, brilliant immediately. Um, but like with, with Kirkman, I kind of went back and I said Kirkman, it was, it was Kirkman and Phil Hester. I should, um, I should make it just, you know, mm-hmm. Uh, the writer, but like um, for that series, uh, I don't know if he did the same on his on his creator owned. I'd have to go and get my copies of Invincible off the shelf. But like uh, for that series, certainly that Ant Man series, he worked on like a sixteen grid, um, and everything is everything is subsumed. Even the big double spreads, where like you have this image kind of breaking out of one of the pages and onto the next one. Even that is on a sixteen grid if you if you kind of look at it. And like once you notice it, you can't not notice it. So I was putting in all of these and you know, Tom Tom didn't like uh chain himself to that kind of completely. I wrote everything on a sixteen grid and I was like, um But there were times when it was just like no, we're just gonna kind of we're going to throw in some 16 grids like for flavor to kind of, you know, make sure everybody knows what time period this is, but also, you know, it's, mm. we can't, we can't stay there forever. But like, uh, there was like, so I did a lot of those little four rows of four with like the same picture in them. Mm-hmm. Cause there are a lot of those too. There, there was, it was an era where people were kind of leaning a lot on the kind of the repeated beat. Yeah, as a timing thing. I did love. It felt almost like the Bandersnatch episode of Black Mirror. Whenever I was like reading it, it felt like I had some interaction with. I don't know the way that you pulled us in and out of the story, where it was like you realized, oh, I'm still in the simulation. Um, I don't know. It, it it brought this level of interest to my experience that I really enjoyed. I don't, I don't know. I guess I guess I'm kind of like an amateur comics historian and that i do i do kind of read i read a lot about this stuff and it's like and and i do have a, a love of this and it's like it's something i've done in defenders mm-hmm. i've sort of done it a little bit low-key in in the x-men books that i've done is that i sort of notice like writers ticks and i've kind of got a couple of my own but it's I always enjoy sort of pastiching like classic, um, classic styles. Mm-hmm. Like uh, if I'm if I'm writing a, a dread, I'll kind of try and sort of keep it um, in the tone of of a sort of a sort of Wagner type mm-hmm. type thing. But like with that in particular, I was I was leaning very heavily on that impulse in that like I was really trying to imitate you know Stan the cadence of Stan. Mm-hmm. Or like Larry Lever. I totally noticed that. I made a note of it whenever I was reading it. I was like, "This feels like the, the first comics Robbie let me read, or like had us read, was Old School Spider Man by Stanley." 
And then I saw your writing when I was reading the first issue last night. And I was like, this is, I know exactly what he's up to right now. I mean, that's, that's a fun one because, you know, Stan's such a, Stan was such a, obviously a character in himself, but like he had such a kind of, like his style kind of became the template for like, and you know, people who followed like took it in a more playful direction or a more kind of, a more serious direction, but you know, he sort of he he did kind of set that voice mm-hmm. into play that lasted a very long time. Um, but like Kirkman, Kirkman also has a lot of these vocal texts, a lot of these kind of, and it's mm-hmm. down sometimes to just like which words he chooses to stress and where, and like when he chooses to repeat. And like I did, I tried to do a thing where like. You know, somebody thinks through like the minutia of the world they are in, and it's and it's all of it's all of this stuff. So it's like uh, I'm kind of glad that this wasn't just me kind of noodling and nerding out and like doing all of this stuff. Because sometimes, sometimes like um, I'll do I'll do like huge amounts of research on a thing and like put things in, and I I know none of it will be noticed, and I kind of hope that it just like the background radiation of it kind of informs hmm. the work and informs the piece so that when you're reading it, you get on some subconscious level, you get a kind of a vibe totally. of, of what's going on. So I'm very glad if that's, if that's what's <laughs> happened. Uh, one thing that struck me, I mean, the second issue is literally imposter syndrome. And then hmm. in the third issue, you have this conversation between Scott, I think it was Scott and Cassie, where he's like, man, I just really need to work on my confidence. And those two things together just really struck me from a superhero perspective and also just like the cultural male perspective to have someone Hmm. that's like in this place of superiority just with who he is, but still struggling with that. And I was like, more people need to see characters dealing with this. I mean, it's. I think it's something in particular of of Ant Man. Hmm. Um, there's always been this kind of. Uh, he's a very human hero in all of his incarnations, and in that you know, obviously, Hank kind of. And this is almost baked in right at the start. I mean, I said earlier about those first five hundred pages of Ant Man, and it's like he keeps kind of going through these changes in order to sort of make him more interesting and kind of make him cooler. And that, and at first that feels to be sort of from the editorial side. And then like, you know, it's sort of baked into the character almost that Mm -hmm. he's never enough. And that, Hmm. that kind of ends up, uh, charting the course of, you know, his entire career on the page. Mm -hmm. Um, but even with like Eric and Scott, the other, the other Ant-Man, you've got like, um, you know they've got they've got problems they've got issues um eric is like a horrible person <laughs> and you know his kind of fair his kind of his kind of story is that like he's he tries to be better and he manages to kind of redeem himself somewhat in small ways but like then he gets killed mm-hmm. and it's like yeah he's just river replaced by somebody who's just like in amber this this sort of uh this frozen version of of him as his most dirtbaggy that can that can kind of never change and like scott is sort of you know all of all of scott's problems kind of 
seem to revolve around you know is he a good enough dad totally in all these different in all these different metrics um and you know and this this is kind of coming from a place of like when we first meet him he's like an ex-con he's you know he's been in prison he's Mm -hmm. like trying to rebuild his life um i mean all of all of the marvel heroes are heroes with problems that's kind of the right that's sort of what the company does the different that differentiated them you know in the 60s and you know the the idea of an ongoing relatable problem mm-hmm. more than just like superman you know i've got a secret identity well that in that i need to maintain that mm-hmm. that's where most of the and, and you know all superman's problems are kind of like solved in an issue you know right spider-man's like rent problem is not solved in an issue you know Ant-Man's, uh ant-man's problems with um and you know over time you know i remember i remember when i was a kid you had you know dc had fully adopted this it was like superman world's a soap opera it was like days of our lives you know you'd, you'd pick uh-huh. it up every week and it'd be like the triangle numbers and it'd be like this week, you know, it's 10 pages of Superman fighting somebody. It's 10 pages of Jimmy Olsen has been evicted. <laughs> it's like, you Seriously? know, <laughs> Lois Lane has broken up with Clark again. And it was it was brilliant because that was what people wanted to read. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, and that kind of started, you know, you can see with Ant-Man sort of, you know, you, you can see them kind of growing that. It's it's Peter Parker especially, but I think, I think Ant-Man is sort of, the various iterations of Ant-Man mm-hmm. are like, mm-hmm. for a lot of people, that is, you know, that is the relatable problem. That is, you know, it's like not being not being confident in yourself, mm-hmm. you know, and having 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 problems, having kind of like, um, you know, maybe problems or conditions or things that things about yourself that you have to, you know, you have to maintain. It's, you know, that is for a lot of people. That is like, yeah, I see myself in that. Right. Um, yeah. And I think that's something Ant-Man does very well. One of my favorite things, Kyle, you were going to love this. Uh, <laughs> in the second issue, I love the lost reference that you wrote into. Let's go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's go, Al. Because this this issue is taking place in the year 2006. Right. So he's that. like, what happens? I love that was like I because it, it was like in you know in the first issue like Jen references like Francis Truffaut and like there's I feel like there's something else but it was like mm-hmm. I think like the cars period in the period the kind of the popcorn thing mm-hmm. I was like sending some reference of like this is roughly what you know a cinema lobby would look like in 1960 like mm-hmm. one 1962 whenever mm-hmm. this issue takes place um the the film is you know that's slightly out of whack because i was looking for like obviously you know i've only got so many hours in my day to like do this kind of noodling but it's like are there any thing and the only like hollywood at the time was this sort of mysterious zone where occasionally you'd like meet a wacky director you know when stanley wanted to do a hollywood joke because obviously this has to take place before hag becomes giant man and it, it has to be like post Trago so there's there's quite a thin uh-huh. window I think in that time it was like the only on the page 
fictional to Marvel like Marvel movie was that thing where the Fantastic Four tricks the FF into like fighting him and then you know they beat him and the Submariner's like okay uh-huh. well I'm going to put out the movie and it's going to make a billion dollars and you're going to be rich again. <laughs> I love that issue. It's like this is this is like canonically the seat of the Fantastic Four's fortune. This, <laughs> this terrible film that Submariner made <laughs> that everyone like went to see out of curiosity and it made them a billion dollars. But like um you know, in in this unheard of unheard of Hollywood deal, I would love to. You know, Mister Fantastic using all of his brain power to get the contract. So, like, you know, he's <laughs> right. actually paid for this. I. But like, um, yeah. So, so you know, in the first issue, that's the film they go to see, and mm-hmm. it's like the. Uh, or whenever they're like, "Is now a good time to buy a house?" And it's like <laughs> the OA oh, right, right. housing crisis is like imminent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, there's, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, the the thing is, like, issue three uh, was where we just got to relax because mm-hmm. we don't have to do any of this stuff. It was happening, like, right now. We could just do a Marvel comic. So I feel like that was the sort of break issue for everybody and everybody could just, you know, tell mm-hmm. a story. And I know, I know Tom appreciated, like, after being, you know, Don Heck and Phil Hester <laughs> for a couple of issues, he got to be himself and that was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then like issue four was just like, oh my God, what a, you know, what a comment's going to look like in the future. Mm-hmm. So mostly, mostly gags about like, you know, they're really going to hold your hand. Mm-hmm. You know, they're really going to like, uh, they're going to walk you through it. It's, it's like oh. when you play video games now, the instructions pop up on the screen. Yep. As yeah. you go, I play a lot of, I play a lot of Hitman and like, oh. hmm. That's very, it's very noticeable in Hitman in Metal Gear Solid Five, which is, in both these games that I've, that I've played a lot of, I went back and tried playing some of the old Metal Gear Solids and it's just like, what are the controls, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I need the hand-holding, actually. I need to interject here and find out what other video games really quickly are you playing? Just just really quick. Oh, it's it's all I've, I, I Hitman's kind of my one game. Um, okay. Aside from that. Did you Red Dead? I did Red Dead. Uh, <laughs> I played. I, I nearly hundred percented that, but like, wow, some of That's those, amazing. some of those like carvings at the end, I just, I just sort of fell off. Um, <laughs> I should get into it and just. I, I might have. I might have actually hundred percented it and forgot. Okay, but wow. like, um, yeah, I, I have a memory of just like putting it down halfway through the carvings. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll tell you what, it's the flowers. It's picking up all the flowers and finding all of like, the tiny <laughs> animals. It's just I stopped. I stopped. God, um, the problem with Red Dead to me, though, is that you have to – that horse takes a while to get to each, <laughs> like, mission. Yeah, it just took I mean, I me just so kept, much time. I just kept the same horse throughout. I feel like most people – that horse you get that's pretty good that you get as, like, a reward for a mission. But then mm-hmm. when it dies – it's oh yeah, it's extreme. You get a special yes. cutscene, I think, if you kept it the whole time. It's the wow. Oh, wow. Um, but the trouble is, you can just like you know spoilers for like after the horse dies, but you can just get the same horse <laughs> again, like in the right. future, and it's like, oh okay, well I guess this is the horse's twin brother. <laughs> I, I, I had this awful moment where my horse was dying and it needed medicine, but then every time I'd walk away, I was nervous it would like disappear off the screen. I didn't know what to do. I'm like going this way, like I don't have medicine. Then oh, I lost yeah, no, it. I always I always kept a bottle of horse reviver on me, just you know, in case I in case I head butted a train. That's what like, I needed. Yeah. Uh, I uh 
you were talking about uh, the, the third issue uh, in, in the Ant-Man mini and, and kind of, I was struck by, and, and Candace sort of pointed this out, uh, there are certain similarities, I thought, between the way that you wrote the Scott Lang character and I think the, the way that Paul Rudd's version of that character has progressed. And now obviously it is, you know, the, the film version is based on the Scott Lang comic character. But I'm always curious, you know, as you're delving into both like the, the history of these characters, but also just like we said, all their different iterations, even if you're not consciously doing it, do you find that like the, the film interpretations, for instance, of Ant-Man start to kind of seep in on some level? I mean, I think they can do. It's... I tend to see the sort of the films as like a resource we can tap into in that um, it's obviously it's obviously the version of the character that most people know. Mm. Um, and sometimes you take that, sometimes you leave it. I feel like with, you know, Paul, Paul Rudd, you know, wonderful actor, very charming. Um, mm-hmm. It's a great kind of. I feel like I take more from like previous kind of iterations, because I, you know, I, I went back and sort of had a look at the the last couple of Ant-Man series, and you know they're very they're very kind of comedic. They're very much in that style and that sort of, you know, Paul Paul Rudd, the sort of lovable like loser character. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I also sort of went back and looked at him under Matt Fraction, where he's like a grieving father, and he's sort of mm. this very like, it's a it's a funny book, but Scott Lang is almost the straight man in it. It's like he's almost the most serious character in there, and that that fascinated me. That like, hmm. you know, it's it's like Grant Morrison doing Batman. You know, the same character as mm. all of these people. Mm-hmm. And it's like, so I did want to do a thing where like, yeah, it's the sort of goofy, you know, oh, he's having trouble. He's like, nobody respects him. He's kind of got this thing. But there's this like core of like, oh, yeah, also I killed a guy. Um, <laughs> and it's, you know, oh, did I mention I killed a guy in prison? Um, because I don't talk about that ever. Uh, it's almost like a shield, like almost the sort of goofy kind of, the goofy sort of like, oh, what wacky situation have I gotten myself into now? It's almost a way to kind of keep people at arm's length slightly, hmm. um, to sort of keep people away. Um, you know, and, and his daughter obviously sees through it, and it's like, um, I, I really enjoy kind of when I can sort of take the various iterations of the character and make them into one person. Yeah. Um, I feel like if I manage to do that, that's like I have done my job that day. It's like, you know, that is kind of what I what I'm hired to do is sort of you know, continue this like ongoing narrative that's like, you know, I've got eighty years old at this point. Mm-hmm. And kind of make it make it ongoing, make it a a continuation. Um, I think that's that's really what separates. I mean, I, 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 you know, I talk a lot of smack about DC. It's like what separate. <laughs> I, I love I love DC. You mm-hmm. know, I love theirs. I was always a Marvel guy. 
Mm-hmm. And I feel like part of that is that I came into DC right after Crisis and Infinite Earths. And there was like, it was tailor made for me. It was like, yay, I get to go in on the ground floor of all of these characters who I've only heard of. You know, Superman, yeah, wow, it's his origin. Wow, it's John Byrne, brilliant. Hmm. Um, but then they did it again, and they did it again, and they did it again. And I remember when Zura came along, and it was like, wait, okay, I'm starting to lose track now. <laughs> And then, like, the latest one, it was, like, the New 52 was like, okay, I'm on the ground floor of this, but, like, I I kind of miss what was before. And, you know, mm. Morrison was right in the middle of his Batman story and, like, yeah. he'd just done a really good issue and now it's like, okay, uh, did that happen or not? And and now they're, they're doing it again and it's like, okay, <laughs> I've, I'm lost. I'm sort of, I'm picking up, I'm reading mm-hmm. DC Comics and they're great, but they're like... I'm picking up these minis. Everything is an Elseworld. Right. I'm picking up all of these, mm-hmm. like, 12-issue minis, and it's like, hey, wow, this is great. This is, you know, I just picked up the first issue of Danger Street, and it's like, does this happen in continuity? Doesn't it? That's not a question I ask myself anymore, and I kind of feel like that's something almost lost, But because it, it's the same one. I'm also reading Chip's Batman, which is brilliant. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone should pick that up. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry to say that on a on a Marvel podcast. No, no, we're big. Everyone, it's, it's, everyone, it's an unofficial Marvel podcast. Yeah, big yeah, chips yeah. at yeah, okay. Oh, okay, fair enough. Oh, I, I didn't know. I didn't know we, whether it was. We we love Chip Zdarsky in this house. I mean, for me personally, it's Sex Criminals, but yeah, Chip he's also- is Chip is wonderful. But like, I you know, I picked that up, and it's it's the same. I don't, there's no switch in my head that flips between that and Danger Street or Human Target. It's like, okay, this is a a single item, you know, a sort of closed off universe that's like based on characters I know. And Mm -hmm. I mean, the difference being that Chips feels sort of more quote unquote official, Mm -hmm. but I don't really know anymore. Whereas with Marvel, it's like, I can say with absolute certainty that like, if you see Janet Van Dyne right now in the new Wasp number one, that is exactly the same person who was in Tales of Astonish 144. It's like, no, 44, um, whatever. Uh, that's, but that's the same person. That's the same character. Yeah, you know, we've, we've tweaked a little bit. We've sort of, the sliding timeline has happened. But like, you know, it's the same. And I think that's important. I think that's something that's, Worth keeping around. I'm I'm mm. not in agreement with the people who think that Marvel should be rebooted. Because um, hmm. a couple of people do think that, but I I uh-huh. think that would be I think that would be a mistake because if you do it once, when does it stop? Right. Right. It's well, like the... it was it was a great idea when DC did it, but then you know, it's it's like you have opened that door. You have you know you've yeah. taken mm-hmm. the the plastic cover off that button and you've pressed it and now what's to stop you doing it again? Evidently not. Absolutely. Well, and that's, that's one of the things I, I always thought was so effective about the ultimate universe with Marvel is as I felt it gave, I mean, some of those comics are are some of my favorites. Ultimate Spider-Man is, is still particularly the first hundred issues or so. um, One of my favorite modern Marvel comics so I felt it gave them the chance to kind of reinvent some characters and bring people in without having to undo, you know, the decades of 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 six one six Peter Parker stories. 
I mean, those those were some great comics. Ultimate X Men really excited me at the time. Um, there was an energy there that really that really captured me. But like, new X Men was going on at the same time. And, right. You know, I was I was really into that as well. But like, if the Ultimate Universe had replaced right. the Six One Six, and then run out of steam as it did, mm-hmm. so it's kind of it's almost in hibernation now and it's like, you know, people still think about it. And obviously a couple of characters, you know, the plum characters migrated over, you know, we have Miles Morales now. Um, and the maker, and I think that's it. Uh And a you know, a few ancillary like supporting cast. Yeah. Basically it was like, you know, we kind of picked the very plums out of the basket and the rest of it is just in storage. But like mm-hmm. if that had happened and then there was no six one six to go back to, hmm. you know, it'd be like, yeah, flashpoint, you know, like or whatever, you know, zero out like we need to do another of these. And then you end up in that you end up in the loop. You end up never being able to stop. Right. If DC were to say now, okay, this time for real, this one, you know, this new crisis that we do. That is it. We're never doing another one of these. I would have serious trouble believing them. Hmm. Because, you know, they've said that before too. I want to get you out of here, Al, on a very zoomed out question. For our uh, audience out there that doesn't read a lot of comics, first of all, how did you get into comics? Like what drew you to comics in general? And then what would be your elevator pitch to someone who doesn't read comics on why they would enjoy it? Right. Well, um, I got into comics because when I was growing up, they were still a cultural thing. Um, I was born in, you know, 1977 in the UK. Um, the weekly comic, we had things like the Beano, the Dandy. There were, I, I read something called Buster. There were these like, um, like kind of anthology magazines. The closest thing would probably be like Mad Magazine, but like, we're talking like one page strips, um, mm. very much on the formula of like a kid like you, but with a gimmick, uh, gets into a quote unquote comedic, sometimes funny, sometimes not adventure. You know, it's like you can, you can pick up a copy of the Beano today and pretty much get the idea. But so I'd, I'd read one of those and like the, the general, the general thing was that, you know, every kid was expected to read a comic at the time mm. it was just a thing i think you know kids like sweets mm. kids like comics kids ride bikes you know mm-hmm. every kid like literally every kid it wasn't just like there was there was a a, a separation as with everything there was a, a separation by gender in that there were girls comics and boys comics and, and the girls comics were more sort of soap opera influenced um whereas the boys comics were like sort of adventure quote unquote adventure comics in that you know you sort of graduate right. from the one page scripts to like Three page strips, four page strips, five page strips, uh, which are like episodes of a dramatic story. So I, I kind of graduated to 2000 AD, which was the sci-fi comic that was like winning all the. You know, I didn't, I didn't know that it, it was just the good comic. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you could also pick up a copy of Battle, but why would you? 2000 AD was there. Um, <laughs> so it's like, it was, but it was the one that was winning all the awards and taking all the artistic risks and giving credit to like, uh-huh. uh, it was the first to do credits for artists and writers and letterers. 
um, that was Kevin O'Neill who who tragically uh, passed away recently. Mm. Uh, but that was his doing. And you know, two thousand three was the, the comic that Kevin O'Neill was in because obviously he was banned in America as being completely unsuitable for children. Um, <laughs> but like, so that that's kind of how I got into comics was just like it was expected of me. And like, what what changed was that I continued to be into comics. Mm-hmm. Because they fascinate me as mm-hmm. a medium, the, the combination of the words and the pictures, um, and also the, the the fictional histories, the fictional universes mm. are like For fascinating sure. things to me on just this level. That's like like an artistic level. I was never like I was I was never a big sort of you know statistics nerd or or a sort of you know I could have I could have gone that route. There was in in the eighties, a lot of a lot of routes were open at the time. In that, in that, you had a lot of comics. Um, the the big computer game boom was happening, and on machines that like always had a keyboard, so you could program them yourself. Hmm. Um, so, but it was it was comics that really kind of caught my attention. And like, so you know, when I was sort of expected by society to like give them up as a kid's thing, mm-hmm. I was just like, no, there's like you, you know, there's Dan Clowes, there's Peter Bag, there's. Uh, there's Alan Moore. There's all of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can, you know, it's it's a medium. I can keep going, and that's kind of what I would say to people who are not into comics now, mm-hmm. and as a means of getting them into comics, is that it's not a hobby. It's right. not like a. It's a medium. It's like film. You know, mm-hmm. do you enjoy watching the telly? Do you enjoy reading a book? It's like. It's a medium, and and it's not your phone. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's. I mean, it can be your phone. You know, it it's can still, be, but you can read it on a tablet. It's like I feel like superheroes are kind of, for whatever reason, they're the most accessible form of this thing. Uh-huh. Um, I'd have to get into the psychology of where that is, but like for whatever reason, they're the most easily found, and I guess the most easily accessed. There is genre that's evidently given what the current highest grossing movies are right now. Evidently a very <laughs> exciting genre. They're probably quite a complicated way to kind of get into comics, but like if you picked up like Rainer Rainer Tegelbein, um, if you picked up one of those, that's mm-hmm. you know, that is I that's more comics than marvelous it's certainly it's certainly doing bigger numbers it's like right. that's what that's probably what most people think of when they think of it so like hmm. you know if you read if if you turn to the newspaper and like i don't know like doonesbury is that that that's comics that's mm-hmm. that is also comics it's like there are different gradations of the same thing but it's like it's all this this word picture format that like mm-hmm. we've kind of like got into a a reasonably perfected form. Yeah. Right. I think what's so cool is whenever I, and this is again, new to comics, whenever I'm watching the movie and I can see a shot mm. that is verbatim, something from what I've read, it, that connective tissue is what motivates me. That's what I would encourage people to pick up a comic for. It's just, it's, it's fun. I mean that that's certainly a way to get people into them. If like mm-hmm. you know, if if I'm sure if you like you're reading I know I know when I'm sort of watching a film and like there's a particular line that I know in, in the in the Superman line they in the Superman film that 
Sloan's did, there was like, uh, there was one particular line from, from Morrison that kind of leapt out to me hmm. from the trailer, which like, you know, kind of got me into the cinema to see it. Because it's like, it's almost like a kind of guarantee that like, oh, we, you know, we understand. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, maybe in that case, not so much, but like, uh, <laughs> the, yeah, it's, there are, there is this connective tissue. I, I kind of feel like it's, they're fascinating. It's, it's just such a fascinating medium, mm-hmm. just like mm-hmm. the kind of, and it's so accessible because it's, it's everywhere. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's in, it's in your daily paper. It's sort of. Mm-hmm. You know, it's on the web. It's like you can you can access it through this uh, quite, I guess, a collector's format. Where because you know the twenty page floppy mm-hmm. is it's what we've arrived at and what we've remained at through various like decisions and misadventures. It's it's not it's not the natural form of comics, mm-hmm. and it's kind of it's sort of geared towards a particular market. It's geared towards a kind of collecting market, but a lot of people, a lot of people collect things. A lot of people follow soap operas. This could be a thing that, you know, you also get into Mm -hmm. uh, that aspect as well. And, you know, that wouldn't be an invalid thing to, I wouldn't say, you know, oh, oh, you're doing comics wrong. You know, I'd never say that about, about any form of comics, but like, you know, it it could be that it, this hypothetical person who, quote unquote, doesn't read comics, you may only. Re- I mean, you've been on a plane. You've looked at the safety information. You may you may only read like. <laughs> yeah, well. You may only. It may be that the only comics you don't read right. are the the ones that you know cost four bucks and you get twenty hmm. pages and it's it's part you know two hundred eighty seven of five billion, and hmm. like. <laughs> That's perfectly understandable, but like there are still there are ways in even to that, and you can mm-hmm. find some you can find some really fun stories there. Absolutely, I yeah, I mean, I I think that uh, I have found it's it's such a this sounds cheesy, but it's such a pure medium in certain ways, and that it's it's just a, a handful of creators, and obviously you have editorial and you have the the, the greater direction of the publishing company, but you know even looking at something like immortal hulk as it's so different from what was going on in the in the marvel cinematic universe with the hulk character but also different from what was going on in the marvel comics universe with other characters like it it was just it's it's this thing that you can pick up that feels like a uh largely self-contained but also really really bold reinvention of of this mythos and and so i think it's to me as much as I love uh, the the Marvel Cinematic Universe and film in general and, and those franchises, I'm always I'm I'm excited by how uh, like seemingly boundless the, the opportunities are within a comic. Like how I I really have no idea where what I'm going to pick up is going to go, uh, and and that's really exciting because on some level you just by the nature of the beast, that's not something that an entry into like the MCU can do, uh, you know, cause there are a lot of kind of competing interests. And, and so I do, I've, I've found myself pitching like, you know, a mortal Hulk and, and I would love to have you 
back on soon and we could just talk for an hour about that. Um, but you know, that like X-Men Red 5, I think is, is my favorite event tie-in issue ever, you know, kind of talking about taking something that can be opaque and, and making it, uh, not only accessible, but, but exciting and different. And so I think you're such a, a great example of a creator that really utilizes the unique kind of a medium that, that comics presents. Oh, thank, thank you very much. That's uh, that's high praise. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm glad I'm, I'm putting out work that people, people enjoy reading. <laughs> well, we we certainly enjoy reading it, and we've enjoyed having you on the on the show. Um, and and like I said, hopefully we can we can have you back on to noodle about all of the the great work that you've done and and are doing. Um, before we do, is there is there anything that you're working on right now, uh, either on the Marvel side or creator own, that you want to kind of well, highlight for folks? After Christmas, the week after Christmas, the the final episode of We Only Find Them When Their Dad Comes Out, um, mm. and that'll that'll be the end of the story. And then it'll likely be collected. Obviously, the third book will be collected. I I'd have thought it'll be collected in um, hopefully hopefully an omnibus format. I'll have to mm. talk about that. But certainly, certainly there'll be the the final trade of that. Um, X Men Red is is ongoing. That's that's transitioning for three months into Sins of Sinister. Um, I would recommend for the the tie in shy, you know, the the crossover shy among us. That's that's one I would recommend. We've put a lot of work into it, hmm. and um, there are there are elements of that that are going to echo back into into the main book. Um, it is there's a reason we're sort of treating it as. It's like a little hiatus from the ongoing series is, but it's taking their place. There's kind of a reason for that. It's because, hmm. you know, Storm and the Brotherhood 1, 2, and 3, if you think of them as like the X-Men Red issues, you know, for that month, um, that's like, you wouldn't be you wouldn't be 100% wrong there. It's, you know, hmm. it's certainly okay. something that'll echo. So, so you know, if... Um, that that might be something that you're kind of uh aside from that you know i've got the uh next year there's there's the wasp mini coming out mm -hmm. there are there are big announcements down the pipe like seismic be huge announcements coming um Ooh. they're not here yet so i can't okay. talk about any of that teaser but like, <laughs> yeah you know keep keep an eye out keep an the eye man's out. under nda okay <laughs> yeah exactly exactly Al, we're such big fans of yours. Thanks for being so generous with your time. You're an absolute legend. Thank you for mm -hmm. joining us. Yes. Thanks so much. Hopefully not the last. Thank you for coming to our comics corner. <laughs> yeah, you're the uh, best. No problem. Thanks. Thanks for I having me. So. What an absolute treat. Guys, I mean, what did you every think? Day. What did you think of my main feed debut? Wow. That's what I was gonna say. Wow. Not just Al Ewing, but also Candace Parker Earl <laughs> on yeah, the same episode. She's coming um, for us. We really started our guest series for the Comics Corner with um, top tier. <laughs> I don't yeah, know how yeah, we <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> we didn't All really go. I know. I mean, there's so many incredible creators, but for us to have Al Ewing on as the first, like, yeah. what the heck, man? What a nice guy. I he's. It's so funny because for folks that are familiar with his writing, I mean, he writes really kind of like 
heady sci-fi stuff and sometimes he like he writes a lot of horror comics and so you just never know what it's going to be like to talk to someone it's like imagining having like Stephen King on something where I'm like what is it going to be like to to have a conversation with the person whose brain creates these horrifying things it's like Ari Aster like he did um you know Midsummer and Hereditary and everyone's like He's the coolest, nicest guy. And I'm like, yeah. what is in your brain that makes you come up with this? Like, how are you compartmentalizing this freaky stuff that you put out on screen? Well, my big takeaway was he's a big horse guy in Red Dead. Let's go, <laughs> Red Dead Redemption too. Very how horse do you focused. get to 100% on Red Dead? That is I just like. I'm so impressed. That's mm-hmm. impressive. That means he like shaved his beard every morning in the game and like <laughs> oh, did wow. everything. I mean, why, dude, yeah, you yeah. Can do everything. What was he talking? Picking the flowers is that what he was saying? Like broke there, him finally. There's there's little <laughs> sheds where you can go play actual poker. And oh, just sit down I, I've done so that. So he's before, done that actually. apparently. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's done it all. Man. I, I'm really bad at shooting, and so usually when Robbie and I are playing, like, I'm doing the horse stuff and, like, mm-hmm. the day-to-day, and then we get to you some bad guys, over. and I, like, throw it to Robbie. <laughs> you do it. I uh, I do. Man, it was so fun to hear him talk about what makes Ant-Man Ant-Man. You know, like, I, I love getting to have those conversations. Sure. Um, and, you know, before No Way Home, we kind of had a similar conversation with Danny Gavazdan who host uh, a, the Amazing Spider Talk podcast. And, and I would say Dan's one of these guys that's read every issue of, of Amazing Spider-Man ever multiple times and, and has consulted on the films and knows it really well. Uh, but, you know, then to have Al Ewing come in, who's gone through this process that we talked about. And, and like I said, like I follow him, he's doing these deep dives into like, I, we, we, I called out the costumes for the Wasp just because he was, he was work. I think they were working on a variant cover that showed all of them. But obviously, like, you know, and I would encourage anyone listening to this, please go pick up his Ant-Man. And by the time this comes out, the first issue of the Wasp uh, may be available as well. But they're so fun. They're, they're like, especially for people that have never read comics like we were talking about. Uh, they're totally self-contained. I mean, there are, it's like, if you know the history, there are a ton of fun Easter eggs, but like Candace doesn't know any of the Ant-Man comics history really. Um, Mm -mm. and you know, enjoyed reading them. So it's such a, it took me like an hour. It's a very quick read. And I, um, it was honestly my first interaction with his writing and I don't know, low commitment. If you want to fill in the gaps before listening to this, um, it's a good way to kind of understand the interview a bit more mm-hmm. well thanks to al ewing thanks to candace if yeah. you are into this kind of thing go check out friends from work plus now's maybe a good time this mm-hmm. is what we kind of got going on over there the comics corner featuring these two so <laughs> and, a lot more of this kind of talk well and, and we've said it but now is actually the, the perfect time to say because we're getting it going um here at the start of the year um for people that are curious and and seeing kind of what comics have to offer, we're starting our walk through the Jonathan Hickman Avengers series that culminate in in Secret Wars. And I think, you know, depending on how the, the studio shifts or doesn't shift the, the final release date for Secret Wars, I think it's going to wind up being timed pretty perfectly uh, so that we will kind of be wrapping up the Secret Wars event as we're gearing up for the Secret Wars movie. Uh, so this is one of those series that like, like Ewing Hickman is a, is a 
big thinker and, and loves kind of delving into things, but at the same time likes to make his his work feel standalone. So it's a really good way for you to jump on with us and kind of walk through and figure out what this medium looks like without having to to do like a ton of homework uh, beforehand. Mm. So I, I, that's my pitch right now for the Comics Corner because I'm very been working on this uh, this reading list and I've been very very excited for this particular journey and uh, would love to have you join. And not Absolutely. only that, I find the this whole thing we're about to jump into incredibly intimidating uh, just because there's so much to it. But I know it's really important for what's going on in the MCU moving forward. So mm-hmm. if that still is like kind of intense for you, just know there's going to be a lot of handholding and um, <laughs> in a way that's like not pandering, but very safe and welcoming. So <laughs> there you go. Love that. That's the tagline for the Comics Corner. There you go. Not pandering. Print it. Safe and welcoming. (laughs) Safe and welcoming. Awesome. Well, thank you guys again for having me on the the video part. And um, let's go. Let's do it again. Thank you, everyone out there, for listening. Don't forget to like, review, subscribe, follow, and we'll see you next time here on Friends from Work.